great. Well, I want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you will, please. And uh, before we end this service, we want to give you the word. And I really believe that God's got a message for us today beyond a shadow of any doubt. And this is not a little leftover of something that we've preached in the past. This is, uh, and there's nothing wrong with preaching uh, a, a message that you've preached before. There's nothing wrong with that. But, uh, boy, this is something. I want to I give you something that I have never, I never noticed this before. God never showed this. Uh, it, well, you know, maybe he tried to show it to me, and I just wasn't sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit. But God showed me something this last week or so, and I thought, wow, what a thought. We're going to preach out of the exact same verse we preached out of last Sunday morning. And so Matthew chapter 2, we're going to read less scripture today, but Matthew 2 in your Bibles, when you find your place, if you're able to stand, let's stand out of respect for the reading of God's word. Matthew 2, and we're going to start in verse 1, read down through verse number 6. The Bible says, now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod, y'all remember that? We just preached on that a few days ago. In the days of Herod, the king, what a time, what a time to be born, it seems like there would be so many better times to be born, and yet our Lord was born in the days of Herod the king. Behold, the Bible says, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Man, I saw that little phrase the other night, and I thought, whoa, I never noticed that before, really, like I'm going to give it to you today. So the Bible says that wise men came from these to Jerusalem saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. And you may be seated this morning. And I'm going to talk to you. We've, we've been using a, a little series for the last few services called Lessons from the Nativity. And specifically today, I want to talk to you about this subject. Why did the wise men visit Jerusalem? Now, uh, again, somebody says, who cares, Pastor? Well, oh, no, 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 no. There's actually something really incredible in this little truth, uh, there, and there's no little truth, but there's something really incredible that I want to share with you today that the Lord shared with me, and I believe this is going to be, uh, I believe it's going to be a help to you, and uh, I'm going to be honest with you, this message already this morning, the truth of this message has already been a source of great comfort to my wife and I, and I, I believe it's going to be a comfort to you as well. So why did the wise men visit Jerusalem. Let's go to the Lord and ask God to help us today. Father, we love you and thank you so much for the privilege to be here on this Christmas morning. And Lord, what a great crowd. What a great crowd for a Christmas service. And Father, we're just thankful for our people. Thank you for all of those that are watching by way of live stream today. And Lord, I pray that you, Holy Spirit, that you would work through that and in that. And Lord, wouldn't it be wonderful if somebody actually got saved today uh, Lord, because of, of, of this service and because of what the Spirit of God's going to do, Lord, I pray that Christ would be glorified, that souls would come to Christ, and I pray, Lord, that, uh, Lord, that disciples would be multiplied, and Lord, I do pray that the saints of God would be greatly encouraged through this time together, and Lord, we're so thankful for the music and the singing and the fellowship, 
And now, Lord, I pray that you'll bless a few moments of the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. And I pray that Jesus would be high and lifted up, hide us behind the cross, Lord. I pray that people will see Jesus and not a preacher, not a man. I pray that they'll see the Lord today. And so, Father, we ask you for your help, your blessing. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. I'm sure, I'm sure of this. My mind probably works a little different than, uh, than others does. Uh, but when I read something in the Bible that doesn't seem to make good sense, I want to figure it out. And, uh, and such is the case with Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 1. Uh, as I read that this last week or so and God began to show me this, I thought, Lord, I want to I figure this out. And not because I think that there is some type of a mistake. That's where the liberals always go. Well, you know, because this doesn't make sense, there's a contradiction of Scripture. Oh, no, no, no. We believe beyond a shadow of doubt this is a perfect book and it's inspired and preserved. Uh, this, You say, preacher, how can that be? It's a miracle, folks. Just go ahead and... and and uh, just go ahead and get that down that you're never going to understand this Bible like you really need to outside of it being a supernatural miracle of God. The Word of God is like anything else. You have to accept it by faith. It doesn't always logic out. And, and so when I find something that doesn't make sense, man, I want to I want to figure it out. I want the Lord to teach me what's going on. Not because there's a contradiction, but more than likely... If there's something in the Bible that doesn't seem to make sense, it's probably because there is a life-changing truth behind that thing that doesn't seem logical. Well, such is the case with what I'm going to give you today. Why did the wise men go to Jerusalem? You said, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not following you. Think about it. Would it not have been better for them to go straight to Bethlehem? Would that not have been much better for them to go straight to little Bethlehem and to worship the king and be on their way? Now think about it. By these wise men coming into Jerusalem first, and you've read your Bible and you've read the story many times, but by them coming to Jerusalem first, instead of Bethlehem, it causes quite the stir in Jerusalem. Our Bible tells us that when King Herod, and we preached on Herod and how he was so maniacal last week, but when Herod hears about the wise men searching for a future king of the Jews, is that important? That's real important, and I'll tell you why. Because Herod wanted to be known as the only king of the Jews. He was, you say, pastor, was he stuck on himself? Oh, my soul, was he stuck on himself. He was a raving lunatic. He really was. He was a maniac in every in every respect of the word. And so all of a sudden, here come these wise men, and we learned Wednesday night, more than likely there were more than three, probably at least 12, if not more than that. And here these wise men come in, and they come in with all these uh, uh, treasures and gold and frankincense and myrrh. And so you know what that means, church? More than likely, they're not traveling by themselves. They've got this large entourage. They've probably got protective you know, bodyguards with them to guard them uh, with thieves and robbers along the way. And so here comes, this, here comes this large entourage into Jerusalem and they're asking about, they're searching for a future king and only a future king, but they're looking for one that's gonna be a governor. Boy, that gets Herod's attention. 
And our Bible tells us in Matthew chapter two that Herod is really upset and all Jerusalem with him. Now, the implication there is this, that whatever you do, don't get Herod upset. That's the idea. Because if, if the king gets upset, heads are gonna roll. You never know what's gonna happen. You know what? We've gotta keep him happy uh, you know, in, in every way. We've gotta do our best to keep the king happy. And yet our Bible says that Herod is very, very upset. In fact, our Bible tells us that because of this, he orders the death of every boy under the age of two years of age. Look in your Bibles, Matthew 2, verse 1. Now, when Jerusalem, I'm sorry, now when Jesus was born in, in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, not Bethlehem, Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Look at verse 3. When, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was, what was he? He was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him, they knew that King Herod was shook up. And because of that, it shook up all of Jerusalem. People became, became very anxious and even fearful. And by the way, they had good cause to be that way. Now, let me give you a little history here. The wise men that we're talking about in Matthew chapter 2 had evidently studied biblical prophecy concerning the star. It was, we, we find that back in Numbers chapter 24. It's the prophet Balaam. And the prophet Balaam, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before these men ever came along, prophesied that there would be a star. In fact, let me give you that, Numbers 24, verse 17. Uh, this is what the prophet Balaam prophesied. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. And so the prophet Balaam prophesied that there was going to, going to come a day when a star would appear and this star would, would lead to, uh, to, to the one that's gonna rule all of Israel. Now, follow me closely. Knowing this, the wise men realized when the king of the Jews would be born. When? Whenever that star appears. When the star appears. When that star appears, the king of the Jews is going to be born. And so they understood the when. And they, they even understood the, the, the general vicinity. They knew it was going to be Israel, somewhere in Israel. But it's apparent to me that these wise men never had access to the writings of the prophet Micah. You see, Micah, the prophet Micah, his writings came out about 100 years after the prophet Daniel. And so you understand that, you understand that they didn't have printing presses and all this kind of thing. And so it would have, when Micah the prophet prophesied, you understand that it would, would have took hundreds and hundreds of years for those writings to get into circulation. Now, what, what's significant about that, preacher? Well, Balaam prophesied of the wind. Micah prophesied about the where, about where Christ was going to be born. You'll find that in Micah chapter five, verse two. But thou Bethlehem Ephratah, thou, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that he that is to be a ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. In fact, Matthew even references the book of Micah in Matthew chapter two that we read just a little while ago. Now, so, follow me now. The wise men knew the wind. 
but they did not know the where. They knew it was going to be somewhere in Israel, but they weren't exactly sure where it was going to be. Let me tell you something else that, that happens during this time. Evidently, the star that they have been following has now vanished temporarily, which explains why these wise men stopped in Jerusalem. Think about it. Think about it. If a king is going to be born in Israel, it makes perfect sense. It's probably going to be in Jerusalem. And so not knowing exactly where, just knowing when, they've seen the star. They know the king of the Jews is coming. They've traveled hundreds and thousands of miles to come and see him, but they only knew the when, not the where. So they come to Jerusalem and they begin to ask about the Lord Jesus Christ. And this gets back to Herod the Great, that men are seeking a king. Oh, hang on, church. I'm going somewhere with this. That men are seeking a king of the Jews. And so now Herod, Herod, maniacal Herod, also wants to find the Christ, not so he can worship him, but so he can execute him, so he can kill that rival. So Herod does something significant. Herod goes to the people that he knows might know the where. He goes to the scribes, and he asks the scribes about the location of Jesus' birth. Those scribes did have access to Micah's prophecies. And the scribes said, sure enough, He's going to be born in Bethlehem. Now watch this. You, we read it. Herod then calls the wise men, men in and says, Bethlehem's the place you need to go. And so Herod tells them the where they need to go. Now, a little backup story there. But as I read this other day, I thought, wow. We learned some great truths in this, in this little story. Can I share some of those truths with you? Just two, just two thoughts I'm gonna give you today. Number one, we see the providence of a mighty God. Hey, Calvary, did you know that nothing happens by way of accident? Nothing happens by way of accident. What do you mean, preacher? Think about it. The wise men knew the when, but they did not know the where. They knew he was gonna be born because the star had appeared, but they did not know exactly where. They knew it was Israel. They figured it was Jerusalem. They came to Jerusalem and yet they could not find the Christ child. They knew the when. They did not know the where. Now watch this. By God leading them to Jerusalem, God used the wise men to know the when and God used the scribes to know the where and God used a wicked, maniacal king to bring the when and the where together <laughs> so the Christ child could be discovered. Look at it back in your Bibles again. Matthew chapter two, verse four. The Bible says, and when he, Herod, maniacal Herod, when he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them, didn't ask them, he demanded, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. Look at verse seven. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem. Church, this is what I'm telling you, that this was not an accident that these wise men came to Jerusalem first and not Bethlehem first. This was the absolute, undeniable providence of Almighty God. 
They did not know the when. Uh, they knew the when, not the where. And yet God, God, it's just, a, this is amazing how God took the puzzle pieces and began to put all the puzzle pieces together and even used a wicked leader, a wicked king to bring it all together. Oh, listen, I want to tell you what, God is a God of providence today. Now you say, preacher, is that a big deal? What? Wow, yes, it's a huge, it's a huge deal. Listen to Isaiah 14, verse 24, about the providence of God. The Bible says, the Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. In other words, when God puts something into motion, you can count on it, it's gonna happen. And we may not understand it and we probably won't understand it and it may not make sense to us. And we read this story at first glance and we say, say wow, would it not have been better for them to just go straight to Bethlehem and yet they end up in Jerusalem? Listen, let me tell you what this was. This was God working behind the scenes to bring all of this to pass. Hey church, did you know that God allows things to happen on purpose? On purpose. It's why it's important we trust him. Proverbs chapter three, verse five, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Isaiah 55 tells us this, that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts, but yet his ways are as high as the heavens. In other words, church, there's just sometimes you are not gonna figure it out. You're not gonna figure him out. Uh, you don't know what he's doing. It doesn't make any sense to you. It doesn't seem to make logical sense to you. And yet there is a God that loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son for you. He loves you like his own self. And when things unfold in your life and happen in your life, you can at least sit back and you say, you know what? I don't understand this, but I know this. God's a God of providence and everything's gonna be okay. Amen, his way, his way, Deuteronomy 32, four, his way is perfect, the Bible says. I like this, somebody said the word providence is made up of two words, pro means before and video means to see. The word providence simply means to see before. So when we talk about the providence of God, we mean that God sees before and plans accordingly. Now, Pastor, make some sense of this. Well, I, th I think I can. Several years ago, we were right down here across the road. In fact, people were posting things this week and memory videos were coming up on social media and we were looking, man, looking back several years ago when we were down here in the old building and I mean, you know, God was blessing and the building was just packed and some of you folks were there at the time. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, God was working and the building was just packed down there and in fact, we had some people that just wouldn't come back and we'd go out and visit them and say, uh, we're missing you and, and they were just as kind and nice and, and they would say, Brother Pope, we love Calvary. We love Calvary. Never been to a church like Calvary. Love Calvary. But it's just, there's nowhere to sit. I mean, there's just nowhere to sit and, uh, and, and, and we understood that and so we tried to start, we tried to start the process of building and so we talked to the church about it. Church was all for it and so uh, you asked some of our leadership in the church. So we started the process. We, we had surveys. We had people come out and they started surveying the property. We had building engineers that started drawing plans. 
We spent money on blueprints and trying to draw the plans and talking about digging out here and bringing dirt in here. And uh, our building engineer said, pastor said, you're, you're building in a cereal bowl. And he said, you're going to have to bring in tons and tons and tons and tons of dirt and, and, uh, to, to make it happen. And, uh, and, and, and we tried this and we tried that. And we met with the church about it and talked to the church about it. And you folks that were there, you know what I'm talking about. It was like we were spinning our wheels. For some reason, it was just like, it was like we could not get things moving. We were trying. We were doing some of the effort. We were meeting with people. We were praying. We were asking God to work. The place was packed. We're bringing out chairs. We're sending people downstairs. And, and, and we're doing our best to build. And it was like God said, not yet. Not yet. And I'm going to be honest. There were times when we were aggravated. There were times when we were a little flustered. And, and we were trying to figure out, Lord, your blessing, you, you, you want us to build. And it was like, God said, yep, yes, I do. Oh, Lord, we're working on it. We're trying. And you're going you're to have to help us. And God said, oh, I'm helping you. I'm helping you. You don't know it, but I'm helping you. And so, man, we had, I mean, we had our guns loaded. And, man, we were, you know, we had it drive and we were moving forward. We just couldn't get traction, couldn't get traction. And you know the story. You see, what we didn't understand, what we didn't know is that God knew that right across the property from the old church, there was gonna be about 15 of the most beautiful acre, acreage uh, with a little creek down here and, a, and, uh, and, and we didn't know it. We didn't know it, but, but little by little by little, God was gonna give us this whole hillside and he was gonna let us build the most beautiful church in the whole world. And you say, preacher, what's your point? My point is this, that God knows what he's doing and God God makes no mistake. And hey, Calvary Baptist Church, I just came here on this Christmas day to tell you this. You can trust him. You can trust him. You say, but preacher, what's going on in my life doesn't make sense. Hey, you can trust him. I'm telling you, you can trust him. You say, but preacher, this isn't the way I had it planned out. And this isn't the way I want it to work out. I'm telling you, church, God is a providential God. And God is going to take care of you. Trust him. Trust in the Lord. You go out here in our bookstore and you'll see on that wall, you'll see one of my favorite poems, My Father's Way May Twist and Turn. And my heart may throb and ache, but in my soul, I'm glad I know he maketh no mistake. My cherished plans may go astray. My hopes may fade away, but still I trust my Lord to lead, for he doth know the way. Though night be dark and it may seem that day will never break, I'll pin my faith, my all in him, he maketh no mistake. You see, you see, there's so much I cannot see. My eye like far too dim, but come what may, come what may, I'll simply trust and leave it all to him. For by and by, the mist will lift and plain it all he'll make. Through all the way, though dark to me, he maketh no mistake. He maketh no mistake. And so knowing I was going to preach on this this morning, and all of a sudden, about 7 o'clock this morning, uh, 4 o'clock California time, Zach called and said, Dad, and I could tell when I answered. I said, hello, I knew it. He said, we got a problem. He said, all flights have been canceled. Everything's canceled. He said, it's a disaster. Everything's canceled. He said, we can't even find a flight. Can't even find a flight out. And immediately, immediately, the Holy Spirit said, you serious about that message? Do you still think I don't make a mistake? 
And I want to stand up here in front of the church today and tell you, I still know he doesn't make a mistake. He is a God of providence. Hey, listen to this story. I love it. The citizens of a place called Feldkirk, Austria, didn't know what to do. Napoleon's massive army was preparing to attack. Soldiers had been spotted on the heights above the little town, which was situated on the Austrian border. A council of citizens was hastily summoned to decide whether they should try to defend or just display the white flag of surrender. It happened to be on an Easter Sunday and people of the town had gathered in the local church. The pastor rose and said, friends, we've been counting on our own strength and apparently that has failed. As this is the day of our Lord's resurrection, let us just ring the bells have our services as usual and leave the matter in his hands. We know only our weakness and not the power of God to defend us. The council accepted his plans and the church bells began to ring. The enemy, hearing the sudden peal of the church bells, concluded that the Austrian army must have arrived during the night to defend the town. And before the church service ended, the enemy camp broke and left. Hey, Calvary, God knows what he's doing. God's got a plan. God's got a plan. Sometimes here at Calvary, we might sing a song written by, by a man by the name of Ira Sankey. Ira Sankey. Who was Ira Sankey? Ira Sankey was the song leader of a famous preacher by the name of Dwight Lyman Moody. God used Moody to shake two continents at the same time. Uh, one million souls were supposedly saved under the ministry of, of D.L. Moody. And Ira Sankey traveled with D.L. Moody and would lead the music and the singing. And the, and the music was powerful and electric. And then God would use Moody to preach and the Holy Spirit would work and thousands would come to Christ. Ira Sankey was on a Delaware river boat. And he was sailing down the river there and some people on the, on the boat recognized him. His, name, his picture had been in the paper because he was a, uh, the song leader for D.L. Moody. And so they came and they said, you're Ira Sankey. Word began to spread across the boat. Ira Sankey, Ira Sankey is on the boat. And they, they realized who he was and they came to him and they said, Mr. Sankey, they said, would you do us the honor of singing a hymn? Singing a hymn. And so Ira Sankey sang this hymn, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. And he sang on that boat that, that day, and this is some of the words as he sang, we are thine, do thou befriend us, be the guardian of our way. And he sang, and the power of the Holy Spirit was present. And after he sang, a man came up to Ira Sankey and said, sir, may I ask you a question? He said, did you ever, listen to this now, church, listen to this. He said, did you ever serve in the Union Army? And Ira Sankey said, yes, I did. He said, did you ever back about 1862 on a moonlit night, the moon was so bright, he said, do you remember keeping guard, walking guard duty that night? And Ira Sankey said, yes, I do. And he said, how did you know about that? And this man said, I was a soldier in the Confederate Army. And he said, that night, he said, I came upon you. I was completely concealed. You didn't know I was there. 
He said, I raised my musket to my shoulder and he said, I pulled back the hammer and he said, I had you in, had you in my crosshairs. And he said, I was just about to pull the trigger. And he said, all of a sudden, he said, you raised your eyes to heaven and you begin to sing this song. Be the guardian of our way. We are thine. Do thou befriend us. Be the guardian of our way. And that soldier, that Confederate soldier said, as you begin to sing, he said, I, I couldn't pull the trigger. And he said, my mind went back and he said, I remembered all those many times when my mother, who was a Christian mother, he said, I can remember time after time she sang that song to me. And he said, my mind went back and he said, he said, I wanted to kill you. But he said, as you sang, he said, finally, I had to lower my musket and he said, I let you live. Listen to me, church, that's what I'm telling you. You say, boy, wow, preacher, what a coincidence. Coincidence, my eye. That's not a coincidence. That's the providence of God. That's what that is. Did you know there was a God in heaven that was watching out for Iris Sankey? And although Iris Sankey didn't know what was going on, thank God, there was a God in heaven that was in perfect control. He never makes a mistake. I'm telling you, you can trust him, church. Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighted in his way. Some of you here this morning going through some things. And you're like, Pastor, don't make a lick of sense. Don't make a lick of sense. Some of the things I'm going through don't make a lick of sense. I got it. But there is a God. You said, Preacher, I don't understand. I've tried to figure it out. I've prayed about it and so far God hasn't told me what's going on. I don't understand. I'm at this point in my life. I don't understand why this has uh, unfolded in my life. I, I, I was trying to live for the Lord. I was trying to read my Bible. I was trying to be faithful to church. I was trying to bring my family to the house of God and, and, yet, and yet it seems like my life is sort of coming apart at the seams and, 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 and the devil has come and the devil says, oh, you don't deserve this and you ought to get mad and you ought to get angry and you ought to get bitter at God and hey, I'm telling you that God's man just came here today to tell you this. Don't you get bitter. You get better. Amen. Don't you get indifferent. Don't you get angry. Don't, yes, sir, brother. I'm telling you, I'm about to have a spell right now. Don't you get out with God because there is a God. That's a God of providence. God has a plan. Hey, church, God has a plan. You can trust him. Only trust him. Only trust him, the songwriter said. Man was traveling by way of ship. And uh, many, 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 many years ago, before the days of modern technology, and this ship got into a terrible, terrible storm, and, and that vessel began to get rocked back and forth, and things began to break from the ship, and it began to take on water, and Sure enough, it ran upon the rocks and the waves began to literally tear the vessel apart. Most all of the crew and the pastors passed away. They, they perished. One man survived. He sort of woke up, washed up on a desert island. Didn't know where he was. Didn't know if there was any hope. But he's on this desert island. And he thought, well, I'm alive. I'm alive. And so I, I'm going to go into survival mode. So things, broken pieces of, of the ship begin to wash up on the shore. And he began to pull up wood onto the beach. And 
and anything that was salvageable. He would pull up onto the beach, and, and then it was enough, there was enough wood that he built him a little shed, a little shanty to at least get out of the rain. And, uh, and he built him a little campfire there at his little camp. And then he thought, well, he said, you know, said I better, I better go around the island, see if there's some fresh water and see if I can scavenge some food. And, and so sure enough, he did that, went across the island looking for food. And he got almost to the other side of the island, just a tiny little island, but he got all those other side of the island and he looked back toward his campsite and he noticed there was black smoke, not just the smoke of a campfire, but there was black smoke barreling up and he thought, oh no. And man, he just ran back to the campsite as fast as he could and sure enough, his campfire was a little too close to the little building and it caught the wood on fire and the only little shelter that he had burnt to ashes. And that man fell on his knees in the sand, and he said, God, this doesn't make any sense. This don't make any sense. That's all I had. That's all I had. And you took it. I don't understand that. A little bit later, a rescue boat came to the island. And they came to get this fellow, and he said, how in the world, how'd you know I was here? And they said, we saw your smoke signals. He said, do what? They said, we saw the black smoke. We saw the smoke signals. And we knew that evidently somebody needed rescuing, and that's why we, oh, come on now. Somebody better hold the doors, I'm telling you. Somebody better hold my mule. I'm about to shout this morning. Well, I'm glad that I can come here on this Christmas morning in 2022 and, and, I, and, and here we are getting ready to turn the curve on 2023. And I don't know what your life faces and I don't know what faces me in 2023, but I'm glad that I can tell you as your pastor, he's in control. Everything's gonna be okay. Everything's all right in my father's house. He's a great God. He's a good God. He's a gracious, yes, sir. He's a gracious God. You can trust him today. Wow, 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 wow. Why did they go to Jerusalem, preacher? Rather than they go to Bethlehem, <laughs> the providential hand of a mighty God. Now we gotta bring this thing to a close. Somebody said it like this, just far, far better to let him choose the way that we should take. If only we leave our life with him, he will provide without mistake. When our blindness would never choose a pathway dark and rough and so would never find in him the God who is enough. In disappointment, trouble, and pain, we turn to God without dismay and prove how wonderful, good, and wise is God's own perfect way. Sure, it takes a lot of courage to put things in God's hands, to give ourselves completely, our lives, our hopes, our plans to follow where he leads us and make his will our own, but all it takes is foolishness to go the way alone. Man, I'm tempted to just stop right there and give an invitation. I don't know who needed that this morning. Somebody needed that. I can tell it. I can feel it. Somebody needed that word from heaven. And so we see in this little lesson, we see the providence of a mighty God. We're done.
let me just give you this thought and we're, we're going. But there is another great truth we see in this example. Not only do we see the providence of Almighty God, but number two, we see people missing a great opportunity. People missing a great opportunity. Matthew 2, look at Matthew 2 again. You still there? Look at verse 1. The Bible says, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, look at this. The Bible says, behold, there came wise men from where? From the east. You know, some believe that it was as far away as Babylon or even Ethiopia, Persia, that without a doubt these men traveled hundreds and hundreds, probably maybe, maybe even thousands. Most scholars believe that it took these men upwards of a year, at least a year, to find the Christ child. And, and, and as I read that this week, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. Wise men who were Gentiles traveled possibly thousands of miles to seek the Lord, while at the exact same time there were people just miles away who could seem to care less. Men traveled thousands of miles to find Jesus, and there were men in the back door who did not give a care. And they, they missed a great opportunity. You know what I believe that is? That's a picture of America. Did you know it is a shame, church? Amen. It is a shame when the Philippines are coming to God and Korea is seeing revival and America is wicked as can be. We are missing our opportunity. And here's, here, here's my thought. We're done. I really believe this, church. One day people are going to wake up realizing they missed it. They missed their opportunity to serve God. And I'm going to tell you something. It won't be because your preacher didn't tell you. And you won't be able to stand before God one day and say, well, our pastor never told us. I'm telling you today that if you've ever served Jesus, you better serve him now because I believe our time is short. I believe the Lord is coming. I believe the Lord is coming. And, and I'm, oh man, we ended on such a nice note and I don't want to end on a bad note now. People say, preacher, I really want to get my life straightened out. Show it. Put your money where your mouth is. Preacher, I really want to get my life straightened out in 2023. We'll see. We'll see. Where you at? You say, well, preacher, it's Christmas. I, yeah, I get it. Hey, Calvary, let's make sure we don't miss our opportunity to serve the Lord. Listen to this when we're done. Man, what a, what a, what a story. Listen to this. A 13-year-old Mongolian inherited land from his father. He was a man of great strategy and awesome fighting ability, and he formed bands that conquered village after village, and eventually he became known as Genghis Khan. They say about this ruler that he ruled over two million people. His empire stretched from China to India and from Siberia to the edges of Western Europe. At this exact same time, they tell us that there was a great revival taking place in Western Europe. Listen to this. When Genghis Khan died, he passed his empire to his grandson, Kublai. Kublai Khan. You say, preacher, come on, what's this got? Hang in there with me. So Genghis Khan 
passed his kingdom to his grandson. And, and Kublai Khan had two Italians that he had befriended. How many have ever heard of Marco Polo? Marco Polo, yeah, Marco Polo. Well, it was actually, honestly, it was Marco Polo's father and his uncle. These men told Kublai Khan about Jesus Christ. And Kublai Khan was so interested that he sent these men back to Europe, and this is what he said, bring me back 100 missionaries. And he went down in history saying this, quote, when we learn about Christianity, there will be more Christians in my empire than in all of Europe. So the Polos went back to Europe to enlist 100 men willing to share the gospel in Kublai Khan's kingdom. It ended up, only five went back. Are y'all hearing me? They went to Europe to try to get 100 missionaries that would go back, open door, open opportunity, and only five, only five men went back as missionaries. In fact, they said that when they came back into the kingdom, Kublai Khan said, where are the missionaries? And so listen to this. If you were to go to Asia today, China and the Asian countries, most of those countries are not Christian. They are Buddhist. And so because those missionaries did not come, that kingdom began to lean toward Buddhism. And now all these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later, they still are. And I read that story, you know what I thought about? We missed an opportunity. We missed an opportunity. Hey, Calvary, whatever we do, don't miss your opportunity to serve Jesus while you can. You say, preacher, I got plenty of time. Well, truth is, we don't know that, do we? Pastor, one of these days, I'm going to get so right with God. One of these days, one of these days, preacher, <laughs> we don't know we have one of these days. We got today. We have today. And we better serve Jesus while we can. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we love you. And Father, thank you for reminding us of a great truth today. You're a God of providence. And Lord, so many times things just don't make sense to us. Why would these men go to Jerusalem when the Christ child's going to be born in Bethlehem? Why would the star disappear that's been leading them all these many days and, and then all of a sudden that star that's been so faithful, that star disappears and these wise men end up in Jerusalem. Of all places, they end up in Jerusalem. And yet what we see is the providential hand of Almighty God. Father, I don't know who's in this building today that needed that word, but I feel very, very sure that you were speaking to hearts. Lord, to those that have faced some things in 2022, and they felt like they were under the judgment of Almighty God. To those who were tempted to get discouraged, to those who were tempted to quit. Father, today, maybe today, on this Christmas morning, for some folks would just come to the altar and say, Lord, I, don't, I still don't understand, but I'm willing to trust. I'm going to trust. And I'm not going to lean to my own understanding. Father, have your way in this invitation. Speak to hearts, please, and we thank you so much.
and our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Hey, a couple questions before we go. How many are here this morning say, Pastor, if I died today, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of any, any doubt, I know that I'm saved and going to heaven when I die. If that's you, you just slip your hand up right now. Pastor, I know that I'm born again, born again, part of the family of God. Hallelujah. Wonderful, wonderful. You can lower your hands. Let me ask you this, though. Is there anybody here this morning? I'm not going to come back and get you. I'm not going to try to drag you down the aisle. I, I just, I don't, I, I just want to pray for you. But boy, how many know we need prayer, amen? You're here this morning, you say, Brother Pope, I'm not sure of heaven. I want to go. I do not want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. But I'm just not sure I would go. And I want you to pray for me. I'm just not sure I'm saved. Preacher, would you pray for me? You'd slip your hand up right now. How many's like that? How many's like that? Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure of heaven. Would you pray for me? Personal workers, y'all come on, if you will. Come on to the altar and help some of these folks on the altar this morning. Pray with some of these folks. Father, we love you. Thank you for your blessings. Father, I don't understand everything that you allow to happen, but I know you have a plan. I don't understand, but I know that you understand. And so I take great comfort in that. Father, today I pray that you're working hearts. Help us to leave this place with our spirits right. Lord, help us to leave this place on this Christmas of 2022 saying, Lord, I'm not going to miss my opportunity. God, I'm going to serve you this coming year. You've got me. I'm selling out. Lord, I'm, I'm dedicating my life to the Lord. You've got me, Lord. I'm going to serve you. Father, today, give us some people that will literally sell out to the cause of Jesus. Father, have your way in this invitation, please, and we thank you in Christ's name. Our heads are bowed.